Hello, and welcome to Conversations Between Widows. I am one of the co-hosts, Tanya Wilson. And I'm your other co-host, LaSharma Jefferson. And we're bringing you weekly conversations about our widow journey. Our purpose is to provide our listeners with a window seat into how two young women who became widows too soon are navigating life after their loss. Our goal is to provide another support system to other widows on the same journey to help them feel less alone. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and shake your head profusely in agreement to what Tanya and I and our guests are talking about. So come on in and enjoy the conversation. Hey, ladies, how are you today? I'm fine. I'm great. Happy Sunday. Yeah. Happy Sunday. Self-care Sunday. Yeah, and Tanya, I'm glad to be here with you on another one of our conversations with widows. And we have a guest today uh, who is, um, you know, I don't know what I want to call it, a a trooper, you know, um, 12 years. (laughs) on the widow journey and helping other people. So can you go ahead and introduce our guest that you invited to be with us? Yes, I have Maya here on the line here um, from the Bounce Back Project and for the Facebook group she has on the Next You online at on Facebook. So Maya, can you go ahead and give us a, you know, a little summary of, you know, Sure. Absolutely. Of you. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> sure. Like you said, my name is Maya Tyler. Um, I've been widowed for about 12 years. Um, in this 12-year journey, I've been everywhere from rock bottom to CEO. So we'll probably get into some of those things in a little bit. But as a summary, I would say that, you know, uh, the business that I am the CEO of that I've become and the Facebook group you've talked about, all of that um, is circling around my work that I do with widows. I'm a life coach for widows. I've designed a course, an online course for widows, and I also do one-on-one and group life coaching. I do retreats. I'm doing my first retreat this year. I'm so excited. And um, I'm also, um, yes, the owner of the Finding Next You group, uh, the um, widow support group on Facebook. So yes, doing a lot of things. <laughs> Ooh, wow! That's, These are twelve um, years. Yes. Yeah. So in those twelve years, I would like to know at what point did you decide to monetize? You know, this business of the Willow Support. How did you get into that? So um, it's interesting that you call it monetizing it because. There was a time, yes, when it was something I did that was absolutely community service. It was absolutely free for people to um, to take advantage of. And it was because it was the beginning. So that was probably around year five for me when I wrote my book, uh, the book that I have out now, which is uh, available on Amazon. It's like six years old now and everyone hates their own writing like years later. But <laughs> my very first book that even piques people's interest in my ability to talk about, candidly talk about the widow experience at all is called Bounce Back Better, um, How to Win After Great Loss. And um, that book was my first step into mentorship. 
it um, actually caught the attention of a teacher, an English teacher over at Johnson C. Smith University. And he wanted me to come in and speak to his students. He had actually made the book a mandatory part of his course alongside uh, Their Eyes Were Watching God. I'm like, with the Miss Zora Neale Hurston, I'm going to pass out. And I was wow. like, oh my God. Yes. And she actually commented in a, in a tweet when he tagged her and told me that that was the book that was along with it. And she was like, go ahead, girls. So I like have framed that and like, we'll stand next to it forever. But like, um, I know but, that's right. That's an accomplishment. Yes. yes. But um, in speaking about the book, that was my first, um, that's how it became. Um, I began speaking to just college students about the power of mindset shifts organizing yourself and that there is a next you, that that concept of rebuilding yourself, how that works and that is possibility is there. That was where I first began to speak. So I would say like that was year six possibly. And then um, it grew from there like wildfire. Like I was speaking places and being asked to do workshops. And then at one point people were like, you know, I love your book, but I wish you were here with me to, to arm in arm and go along with all the, the lessons and the activities that are in it. And I was like, you know what? That's an awesome idea. And so it developed into a course that I put so much into that my mentor, she was like, if you give this out for free, I'm going to walk to your house because she lives <laughs> in uh, Georgia. She said, I'm going to walk to your house and beat you down. <laughs> so she was like, uh-huh. you've got to get out of this mentality that you do not deserve to be compensated for your time, energy, mm. and dedication to this. And so I had to come up with, you know, the non-salesiest person in the world is me, but I had to come up with an entire business around this course, this mentorship, the community, everything that I offer and actually put together a package that you can't find for free anywhere online. All the things that I wanted and wish that I had as a, a young widow and as a growing widow, growing through the experience, all the different stages and things that are needed and necessary to talk about, connect with and grow through. These are things I poured into my program and that's why and how it became monetized. And that was probably around... Um, I think 2019 um, was when um, that um, that I first began to sell this package as a program. So um, being widowed in 2009, writing the book in 2011, I believe, or maybe 12, then yeah, it, it took a couple of years to put together this program and really um, make it something I was proud of enough to sell it and monetize it, like you said. Wow, that that's great because a lot of times, you know, we have things that, you know, we're looking for ourselves mm-hmm. and when we can't find it, you know, then we have to create it. Like I'm a writer and, you know, so I definitely appreciate what you just said about, you know, you hate your own writing years later. <laughs> and I feel the same way because I, I wrote my first book um, like uh, 10, 10 plus years ago, you know, but when I look at that book, I love to compare it to the second book. And mm-hmm. I see my growth, you know, as an author, you know, as well. But, um, you know, that's I said that to say, if there's not a book out there that, that you want to read, then write that book that you mm-hmm. want to read. So that's kind of like, you mm-hmm. know, what we do when we're looking for some type of support and we don't see a community for us, then we have to co- create that community for us. So mm-hmm. I thank you for doing that because 
I was invited to your group, you know, before me and Tanya had even had this idea to even start, you know, our own thing to support women who are, you know, have lost their husbands and are trying to move mm-hmm. on to their, you know, their next you as you um you have so eloquently coined. So <laughs> thank you and congratulations. Thank you. Yes. I appreciate that. I do. Yes. Maya has been it really transformed my life a lot. Like, um, I think I mentioned it on our support groups um, podcast, how I happened to see her ad and I was like, is this real? <laughs> and I happened to click on it and that's how I found the Facebook group. Mm-hmm. So I, I have, all, you know, forever been changed because it was oh, hard man. finding <laughs> Thank a you. group. Yeah, I, I um, I'm always feel ever ever blessed and ever uh privileged to be in a position where um I'm living my purpose and in turn touching people's lives. It's it's amazing to wake up and do what you're here to do and have people confirm and validate that every day. It's it's crazy and amazing because I did not come from a place of service um in you know in my first uh beginnings of of becoming you know of being an adult and working. I was definitely in a different realm, you know, as far as being, I came from cybersecurity engineering. So like I was in an office in the basement somewhere in in the government building. (laughs) Like I definitely have never felt like I had something to give to anybody. So this has been an amazing journey. God has done so much in my life to just completely flip it around. And I'm grateful. I really am. So let's, can we switch gears and, um, again, coming from, you know, being a 12 year widow, uh, you have, I'm pretty sure you have started dating. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. When did you know you were ready to date? That's the first question. So I did, um, do the dating dance. I did. Um, and it's so funny because the segment in my coaching that I do on dating, I always follow it with dun 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 because, <laughs> <laughs> because yes, yeah, that is appropriate. Yes, it's the great yes. adventure um, that not only is almost taboo to talk about in other conversation or in, in mixed company, but it's it's kind of crazy that you would even be thinking ever of of talking to, sharing your life with, and connecting with another person. Um, and it was hard for me because I was one of them sheltered kids where I could count on my one hand every man I had ever been with. So it was like you coming out into this world. My first thought was, OK, so I'm 27 years old and every guy out here probably sleeps with about three women a year. And they've been doing that since they were about 18 years old. Counting on my finger, heal, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, heal. Right. Everybody here has community pain and I'm upset. So <laughs> like, I was really, <laughs> I was really not, yeah. um, I was really scared and I was really, you know, leaning or, or getting swayed by all of that talk about, oh, there's no more good men out here. Oh, you know, dating sucks. And, you know, everybody's doing the online thing where you never know who's talking to who and you always got to be worried about this man's phone. So I just came from a completely different realm of marriage where I feel like, almost like feel like saying back then it meant something, you know? And it seemed like 
it seems like nowadays in our social cultures that it doesn't mean as much. It's just something to do on Facebook and say, hey, look at my beautiful wedding and my giant ring. And then after that, you know, maybe you'll stay together for five to six years, you know, and hopefully. Yeah. (laughs) And and, (laughs) yeah. And, you know, the the whole adulting piece on the woman's part nowadays is making sure she has her own so that she can survive after whatever happens, you know, after divorce, after this man cheats, after this man has another kid out of, it's like, it's, it's like, it's not even, the goal is not even happily ever after anymore. And then being jaded after believing in happily ever after and having my husband die, it was like, okay, so I had zero positive thoughts about dating. (laughs) So, um, when I did jump out there and begin to date, I took on what most people I think that I have coached and talked to, they kind of think, okay, I'm gonna do this where I just thought I was a player. (laughs) I thought, (laughs) I thought I was a baller and that I was just going to be, you know, basically creating my starting five where I had, you know, a guy. You said your starting five? (laughs) Exactly. Where it was like, this guy takes me out. This guy listens. This guy is cool. And, you know, we have fun. This guy is like a best friend. Like, you know, it was why settle for one when I wasn't married. I wasn't tied down. I was still in my twenties and I was still fine. Okay. So I was like, (laughs) I was like, look, I'm not about to waste my life. And it was an escape for me. I didn't have to be, woe is me, single mom, solo parent, you know, solo house, you know, uh, keeper, breadwinner, all of those pressures. I no longer had to be that. And I got to sit in the realm of just Maya, just who is Maya, you know, and these, you know, the boring, um, you know, uh, I guess, monotonous questions that you get, then you had the conversations you have in the beginning of relationships, oh, what's your favorite color? What's your religion? What's your sign? All those things were interesting to me again, because I was like, well, first of all, I met my husband at 19 and I married him at 21. I didn't get a dating life. So this was interesting and fun to me to be like, well, I like this and this, you know, and to actually explore myself. So for about six, maybe, maybe four or five years, I explored me and I had a great time doing it. And the stories will not be on this podcast. However, (laughs) 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 but, um, I did meet a great guy. I did wind up settling down again. I do have a chapter two. We have a a three-year-old together and I'm loving life. We've blended our families and it's been amazing. So it was definitely a necessary interesting ride to to do the dating dance and I definitely have a lot to say about it <laughs> but um, wow what but um I, I have a question about it. okay mm-hmm. so you said that you had you spent you know the six years exploring you mm-hmm. and um dating different guys mm-hmm. did you ever have times of discouragement during that time of meeting the new guys and oh, you know question. oh yeah because I mean when you, because I'm not having fun. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think as part of it, is TT over here. I'm not having fun either. I think part of it is feeling a little bitter at this moment. Well, it was. I, yeah. When I first got into it, I was dating. I thought I was going to be a player, but I was so used to being somebody's wife 
that I had expectations mm-hmm. that were over the moon. I had, you know, I was giving 100% thinking I was going to get 100%. And it mm-hmm. was, you know, it did not work out well. Um, I met a guy and um, he was the guy that I worked with. So I knew him, you know, I kind of felt safe and, you know, we, we friend, we, we, I guess friend with benefits dated, you know, for like a couple of months and um, he got attached. And so all of this holding out and and being to myself and locking my heart away, I, I gave in. I was like, you know what? He done fell in love. I can see him at blah, blah, blah. I'm going to go ahead and, and see what this is like. And I unlock my heart and then he breaks it. And it was just like, mm. cut, darn it. Mm. <laughs> you know, it was like, see, I knew it. It wasn't worth it. Well, you know? I knew this was going to exactly, happen. Exactly. <laughs> and I did not learn my lesson. It happened again. So it was like, I was very discouraged about trusting anyone. It was like, you can't even know that I have children. You can't even come to my house. I'm, I mean, we gonna meet everywhere by car, and you know, I'm gonna tell five friends where I am. Like it was, <laughs> it was. I was very untrusting, you know, the first two years. And um, when I did, I actually met my chapter two um, three years into the dating, and I've known him for um, I guess a good ten years now. But we didn't really get serious because I was determined that you know he wasn't serious. I had you know, shut him, (laughs) kind of shut him out and made him, you know, one of the starting five. Like he wasn't, I wasn't serious. I refused. (laughs) I love that. I like that starting five. Yeah. I'm over here cracking. Yes. I'm I'm writing a book called that. Don't take it. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, but yeah, um, he, I had, I had kept him at arm's length for a while. So it was no, it, it was almost a surprise to me when, I'm, you know, accusing him to of of not being serious about me when he kind of turned the tables and was like, you don't even let me in. I was like, you know what? You're right. <laughs> I you're right. <laughs> I don't. He's like, you're, you told me you're afraid of marriage because my, my story was, and this is so interesting. A lot of women, when they get out in this dating world, their story always is, well, I'm not looking for anything. Yeah, you are. Liar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you are. Yeah. Wait a minute, you calling us out? You calling us out, uh, Maya? You calling Everybody's us out? Everybody's looking for yeah. something. <laughs> you right, know? we just, we, we, we have to identify mm-hmm. and say what it is. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, we don't really know what we're looking for yet. And you know what? what now, I'll tell you this. I was just going to say. Look, one quick thing ahead, that I ahead, learned. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, look, one quick thing I learned was not to tell men that I'm not interested in a relationship. Exactly. Because in, in, in their mind, that translates to, oh, she just want to have sex. Mm-hmm. She's good. She just want to have a sexual relationship. Right. I'm like, no, that's not what I meant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I had to dial it back on that. Yeah. So go ahead with what you were going to say. I was going to say, when people, when we make the mistake of saying, um, we don't know what we're looking for, you know who, what you attract? People who also mm. don't know what they're looking for. And now they feel like they're safe with you. Now it's cool to wow. not know and, and do things and not care about the consequences. Now it's cool to treat you like anything and like an option because you said you don't know too. So now they're, they're safe in their non-decision. They, oh, yeah. They're safe in their, mm-hmm. non, their, dis, their decision to not choose and not pick a side and not be permanent or concrete or any of those things. 
So you just gave them mm-hmm. license to make you an option. And so I learned that the so hard way. So what do we do there, Maya? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but so what do we do when we're not, we're not ready for a committed relationship, <laughs> but then at the same time, no, you don't want a casual sexual relationship. Mm-hmm. You just want, you know, you want to meet like-minded people, mm-hmm. you know, just to spend some time with when you both happen to have free time. Mm-hmm. You know, and just see where it goes. Well, because what is that call? What what is that call when we, called, when we don't want to? It's called sitting on the fence. And the oh, yeah, and the problem goodness. with sitting on the fence. I must be on the very yes, high one. If the problem with sitting on the fence with the barbed wire is, it's like sitting. It's like sitting <laughs> at the edge of the pool and expecting not to get wet. Okay. It's like you're, you know, you yeah, yeah. Let's get, let's be real. You still want to flirt. You still want to be wanted. You still want to be recognized in a romantic way. So maybe you may not re- be ready for heartbreak, sex, commitment, and all the things that come with that. But that's what's in the pool. So mm. you know, we have to stop lying to ourselves and saying, "Oh, I'm gonna come. I'm gonna walk outside butt naked, and nobody's gonna talk to me." Like, no, that's not what's going to happen. <laughs> that's not what's going to happen at all. So in knowing what guys are looking for, in knowing that they're attracted to you, in knowing that you are putting yourself out there as an option for them to, you know, take or leave, you can't expect them not to do that. You know, so you have to tell the truth in, in, these, um, in these meetings with people. You know, or else you're going to wind up in the boat that you said you were in, which was maybe sometimes sitting on the fence, kind of, sort of, and then wonder why. Yeah, it sounds like what we first have, mm-hmm. to and then and then wonder why. It sounds like we first have to be honest with ourselves yes. and some of before us, we can even yes. start having these conversations with the mm-hmm. And some of us we need to are not ready to get splashed. Some of us are really not, <laughs> but you know, and I had to learn the hard way. Um, I. I really, in the first, you know, I jumped out there at least maybe three months, like after my husband passed. And I'm not proud of that. That's not something that I say, oh, look at me. It's something that I know that looking back on it was my hurt. It was my pain that I was running from. Mm -hmm. It made me jump into, you know, all kinds of let me be somebody else, please. Because I could not just sit in myself and be her. So, you know, and it was, I was not ready for all to be splashed at all. Um, And I had to pull back. And, you know, I I didn't, in being a relationship kind of person, it's hard for people like us. Because some people can go cold turkey and be like, you just need to be by yourself, girl. I'm not that kind of person. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to sit here and lie to me and be like, I'm going to go cold turkey and not talk to any guys ever. No, that's not, that's not going to happen. I'm going to talk to guys. That's just who I am. So, you know, I had to... I, I miss the affection. Yeah. So I like, yeah. you know, I like... And when, and when I say affection, not, oh, lovey-dovey mm-hmm. either. Attention. It could just be simply a mm-hmm. high... Yeah. Attention. Somebody who cares. Who like yeah, somebody who's listening. Somebody who notices you yeah. as a person other than this grieving, oh, poor you, widowed person. You know? So, yeah, yeah. I definitely had an appetite for that. So what I did was, um, you know, against my, my better nature, I got on the tender. <laughs> and yes, I got on the tender, I got on the tender <laughs> and I, I used it as a place to just talk. 
and I refused to meet anybody from it. I was like, nope. As soon as I start talking about, you know, um, pictures or they want to see me and they stop talking if they want to see me, next. And I would just, my phone was my boyfriend. I would just use that at night, you know, oh, come and talk to tonight, you know, and flipping through and having conversations and then turn the phone off and go to bed. You know, it was what I had to do for a little while because <laughs> I wasn't ready to act. Right, and you were in, you were in control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It sounds yeah. pretty good because you were in control of the situation. Yeah, yeah. and once I was ready, so that, that sounds good. Yeah, me. and once I was ready to actually get out there and you know sit in a, car, a parked car with a guy after seven p.m. and actually sit there and know where this might go and be okay with it. You know, it took me a while. It took me a while. I couldn't just lie to myself anymore though and pretend that oh we're just gonna talk and we're gonna be friends and he's not gonna make a move or nothing <laughs> I can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not real that's not we're adults you know that's not gonna that's not gonna fly so um I think I guess in culmination and summary of all of this the, the, the thing about being discouraged with guys is you may not be communicating with yourself and projecting what you really want um, when you're not honest with yourself about what it is you're ready for and what it is you really want. Oh, that's deep. Yeah, very that is deep. deep. Yeah, felt like I went to class. That was a, that was a workshop. In right. thank right you for there, thank you for taking us to school. You know, because we're we're still new. You know, we're new yes. in this. You know, both of us are three years in it, mm-hmm. and you know, yeah. we're. I think both of us are kind of at that point where you do have your fears. You know. I'm 45, mm-hmm. so definitely for me, being single again in my 40s, I mean, goodness, I think, it, I, I know it was hard for you, mm-hmm. but I definitely was like, man, if this is my 30-year-old self, it might be a little different. You might be having a high you know, but it's like, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, but I'm like, being in my 45-year-old self is something different. You know, and um, and I never really, I've been that relationship type person too. And I've spent most of my adult life either being a mom, mm-hmm. you know, I was a mom at 19. And then I first became a wife to my ex-husband at 19. Mm-hmm. And then when I divorced him and then I met my second husband, we got married when I was about 27. Mm-hmm. But I was always in a relationship. So my friends like to call me the monogamous, like the, uh, what you call it, the, the constant monogamous person. That would be. And so now I'm like 45 and I kind of like, well, I kind of want some time to myself. But guess what? Time to yourself is scary as hell when you're not used mm-hmm. to it. Like now I don't have little kids anymore. My youngest kid is 16 and he's a boy. So He's not sitting up mm-hmm. under me, you know, like my daughter used mm-hmm. to do. So I'm like by myself a lot. And it gives me a lot of thinking time. And sometimes I'd be having like, these conversations with myself that I'm not quite ready for. Yeah, and that's something that... Because I got to face some yeah, stuff. Yeah, and that's something that I teach. That's exactly what I coach on, that alone time and the space it takes and the, the growth you need to fit into this new space of widowed woman. You know, this, because it's a space that definitely you are destined for, but you may feel like it's a little too roomy. It's a little too big. It's too wide. You can't fit. <laughs> like, it's like, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I recognize mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's, you know, <laughs> yes, you feel I like, do. Got yeah, big, you, know, you feel like this tiny little person <laughs> that you're like, well, I'm supposed to be widowed. I'm supposed to live this huge 
life now, like there's too much space in here and you feel alone and you feel small and you feel like no one gets you. And there's, a, there's also yeah. the, who am I now? Who is this big ego person I'm supposed mm-hmm. to have? How do I fit into this space of becoming this woman that apparently God has for me to become? And that's where the work mm-hmm. starts. And that's what I do. Uh, so can I don't I, know. Uh, how, how many clients um, do you have? Like, what's your client base? So like? I have a rotating client base. Um, I try not to, because mm-hmm. I, I no longer actually do, um, I can't say I no longer do one-on-ones because I do have my favorites. But um, <laughs> I used to do, um, <laughs> I used to do one-on-ones at least maybe 10 or 15 a week. Um, now um, I don't, I've stepped away from one-on-ones. I've hired a coach, um, my head coach, uh, Vyrie Brandon. And she does the one-on-ones um, with, along with them. And the course also acts as a, um, a tandem to my soul and what I want to teach. Um, and so right now, um, I'm doing no more than 30 a month. So it's a, re- it's a revolving door. Um, the course and the uh, programs normally last about 60 days. So um, every 60 days, I get a new crop. And that's how it rolls. Where can they find these programs at? Can you? Um, oh, yes. Um, I have a website. Yeah, website my website too. is thebouncebackproject.com. I don't like to post my programs um, in an easy place for people to find because um, when we're online and we are looking for a quick fix, we tend to press buttons. And I want to be able to talk to people one on one. I don't want them, my program is not cheap, but it does teach valuable lessons. And I don't want widows of all people spending money willy-nilly without knowing what they're getting. So I actually encourage them to come to my webinar. Um, The website directs you to the webinar so that you can really see what it is I've put together and then get on a one-on-one call with me, not a salesperson, not somebody that's going to, you know, not know and not be a widow, but me. And we go through their struggles one-on-one and say, okay, does it look like one of my programs, be it online, solely, without me, or one-on-one with me, or however it's structured, does it look like it could really help you? Because we're not about wasting time and money. We already, as widows, know that time is not something we're willing to bargain with. So, um, Say it again, Maya, because I don't think people could hear you in the back. Say it again. Yes, time is you not have what? watched somebody's time mm-hmm. run out. Somebody, the closest person to you that you did not imagine, though you knew it was there, you purposely did not imagine what it would be like for this person's time to run out. So you see how mortal you are. And I don't play with people's time. So um, that's what that's something that I want to have them one on one. We talk about it and we say, look, is this something that you really can commit to? And this can really help you grow into this space of widowhood. So that's what um, I, I have people do. So if they, if anyone is listening to this and is widowed and interested, definitely um, I can, uh, when you go onto my website, there is a, a free workshop button up at the top and you click that and that will take you through the webinar to really show you what I offer and then give you an opportunity to get on a call with me so we can really work through what it is that you need and whether or not I can help. Now, I'm shifting gears a little bit more because you had small young ones when your husband passed away. Um, I have a small young one. I'm not quite 40. I feel like if I um, spit across, I'm at 40. That's how Mm -hmm. close I am. I'm actually Mm -hmm. 38. 
<laughs> I'm getting a little worried about 40 <laughs> because I'm like, is that the prime years? And I saw, and the first thing I always think is um, my mom because she ended up raising me in her 40s because she had me um, late. She had me at mm-hmm. 41. And I felt like, you know, for the first 10 to 12 years, I felt like she was kind of by herself with, you know, just being a single mom. And I was like, that's why I was married. That's why I had, you know, I didn't, that, I was going to have this family life. And then when it ran yeah. out, like I was talking about time, it kind of, that's where it kind of takes me back to like, I I am Mr. Dumpster yeah. right now. <laughs> like, like that didn't happen to her. My dad was just not. Um, present in the home but that you know it's kind of similar because you always say I don't really I want to you know your parents always strive to have you mm-hmm. be better than them that's the, always the parental goal and I, I didn't want to be mom and have to be stuck I wanted my kid to have both mom and dad but then you know death happened and it's not controllable so like as a journey you know in your journey as a widow, when you your when your kids were small, how did you explain to them what happened? How did you get through those hard times? Because I have a, a six year old that's very um, exquisite, and he likes to you know he he asks a lot of questions. Mm-hmm. And you know, right now I have him when he says, "Where's my dad?" I say, "He's in your heart," because I don't know if I could really explain heaven yeah. to him without him having a follow up mm-hmm. question right after that. And I think one time he asked me and I tried to go there and then yeah, so many questions. I think I just like <laughs> I was just praying like Lord, let yeah. it stop. Yes, like please let it stop. Did the TV come on? Did I hear a doorbell? I was like, I think I hear a doorbell now. Yeah. And he was just looking at me like, You don't have an answer? So can you go into a little bit about so, how do you explain yeah, that? So to them? um interestingly, um I get this question a lot and um I had this question. And, you know, when I was um, widowed, at, you know, in the beginning, and I expected when I asked this question for somebody to have some golden shining example. And what I realized by living through it, by asking these questions to other widows and, you know, when I was looking for advice and when it's being asked of me, it's almost as if I was looking for permission to, you know, for somebody to say, oh, either here is the right way, here's the map or there isn't one. And I have to say, there isn't one. There, there isn't one. It's messy. It's, mm. it's painful. It's messy. It's frustrating. It's heart-wrenching. It's like, it's, it's nothing that you can say, okay, well, you know, here is the best everything. You know, you're a mom and just being there for your kid during this time, that's what you were built to do giving hugs, giving love, giving the best explanation you can come up with. That's why God made you that baby's mom. So, you know, just like, you know, they say breast milk is the best milk. What you've got is the best thing Mm -hmm. for that baby. Now, as far as the, you know, development and the, and the moving forward of it all, after you've given all you can give, if you feel like, and we normally do, that there's more and extra that you can give your kid, that's when we introduce counseling. That's when, you know, as young as six, Mm -hmm. yes, it's fine to introduce counseling. My kids were 18 months old and six years old. So to have to say to my Mm -hmm. six-year-old, your dad has, you know, passed on, it's still hard for me to say dead when I'm talking about his dad. 
Um, you know, like it wasn't something like he asked me point blank, you know, I came home from the hospital and he looks at me and said, you know, and, I said, and he said, where's dad? And I said, he's not coming back. And he said to me, dad's dead. And that mm-hmm. felt like a knife. Mm-hmm. That's how and my it son turned, says it. Yes. Every I time. felt like, you know, it was a knife in my heart and I could not agree with him. I said, no. That was my reflex knee jerk. I said, no, he's in heaven and that's where he's going to be now. And he's not coming back. And he looked at me hard for a long time and he just said, okay, mommy. And he walked away. And then I commenced to collapse because I just could not deal. I mean, it was, like I said, it was messy and painful. And as my 18 month old got older and saying daddy and looking for daddy and getting mad at me and saying, I want my daddy, I don't want you, you know, and, you know, just, they don't mean Mm -hmm. to kill you in their words, but that's how it is. You know, it's a mother's, that's our, you know, not so much our burden, but that's, that's part of our being as moms to take on this, you know, this pain and this struggle. And I have to say 12 years later, my, you know, 18 year old now and 13 year old now, you know, they are wonderful human beings and, you know, we got through it and those are painful memories that blossomed into growth that we needed as I created the microcosm for us that, you know, did not necessarily not need dad, but it wasn't based on the fact that he wasn't there. It was based on the fact that we wanted to be together. This was our family and this is where the love was. So building that is what I teach on and and, and coach on for my clients, building that microcosm and that trust of, you know, the, that, that this is still a family. We are not broken because he's wow. not here. You know, we are still happy and whole and we can do this. We are team Tyler. You know, we got this. And, um, you know, building that is what I can coach on. But as far as what exactly to say to these babies, God has already given it to you. You already have it. And I know it's hard. I've lived through it twice with these two boys. But um, counseling does help. Um, being as honest and open as you can be, as you can tolerate, you know, without, you know, being snot faced, you know, <laughs> and, and the ugly cry, you know, because it, yeah. that, that's something I never wanted my kids to see. Um, it's not a crime. You can definitely do that if you feel like, you know, it's just something I couldn't do. I couldn't let them see that mm-hmm. for me. Um, but, um, it's definitely something that you don't know it yet, but you have what it takes. To mother them. That was beautifully uh, stated, Maya. And, um, you know, I love what you said about, you know, you got uh, reiterating to them how you guys were still a family, even though daddy wasn't there, Mm -hmm. you know, your family nonetheless, you know. And then also, Mm -hmm. you know, God doesn't put on us what we can't handle. We sometimes have to learn how to handle it. You know, we don't wake up. And say, okay, I've got this. <laughs> you know, it's a process yeah. of learning how to now navigate, you know, what this new part mm-hmm. of your life is. You know, so that, that was just wonderful. Yeah. So many of us have to go through that, you know, whether we're married or we're divorced or, mm-hmm. you know, we lose a spouse. You know, our lives are constantly evolving, you know, and we just have to create mm-hmm. different family dynamics. But family is still family, you know, regardless of 
how small it is. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And we, we tend to um, cling to the past and look into who we were and what we had as, oh, if I had this still, if he were still here, I can't do this because this isn't here anymore. And it's so interesting that we're on this topic because, um, and I don't know, I'm not like, you know, the most super religious going church person ever. I have my own, you know, a connection with God. But um, the sermon today that while I was in my car listening to the radio was um, about what he said to Mary what Jesus said to Mary when he came out of the tomb. He said, don't cling to me. Mm. And it was about, it wasn't about don't touch me. You know, I'm, I'm God now. He was saying our relationship before me doing this whole raising and dying and raising thing was, oh, you know, I was your friend. You know, I'm, I'm among you. I'm all these things. But that relationship that you and I had isn't, you know, is, is gone now. Don't cling to that because who I'm about to become to you is going to be so much better. The pre- and I can't give you this next step until you let go of that mm. old one. I can't live inside you if mm. you don't accept that I'm no longer outside you. It was just yeah. amazing. I was like, that's, that's, a, that, I, that was a word oh. today. So it was, mm. you know, that's part of the next you, the hashtag next you that I'm coaching is you can't open your hands to who you're going to be for this kid, for this life, for this future, until you let go of what you thought you had before, what you had before, you know, even if you did have it. With this man, it was wonderful or, you know, whatever it was. The fact that it's gone sucks and it hurts. However, you have to know that God is not, this journey wasn't yours by accident. You know, this is something that you're supposed to grow into and it's going to be awesome. You just gotta let him give it to you. Trust him. So as you you process, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, yeah, Yeah, you gotta trust trust him. him. Trust that you this baby's mommy on purpose. So whatever he needs to hear, you're gonna say it. Whatever he needs, however long he needs to hug you, you got it right in your arms. You know what it is. So there it is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the biggest because I, you know, I do struggle. You know, like you said, trusting God. I done took my trust back a few times. Especially over quarantine, the walls yeah, coming in, yeah. you know. I'll yeah, like, trust is hard. How dare mm-hmm. you make me a widow and now yeah. I'm in quarantine? Yeah. Like, like right. I have enough already. Right. Trust is a big thing <laughs> after widowhood because, you know, in my relationship, that the religion that I had before this was, looks, the relationship looks nothing like it did before because I was, oh, I go to church, you know, I'm a good person. Why would God do this to me? You know, and I completely was no longer friends with him. I was like, this is not, I'm about to go see what Buddha talking about because like, it was, <laughs> it was like, yes. it was, I laughed, but I was serious. Like I was, I couldn't understand, you know, what this was about. And my trust, the trust factor, the whole rug of my life was yanked out from under me. So it was, yeah. And that's how I was with God too. Like I, like the father. Like I'm mad yeah, at you. I, was I didn't try. pray. I was a I was so then I come back more. You know <laughs> my heart. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was talking yeah. to you like but that. But you know what? But so that, that's the and beauty. It's, it's, that's <laughs> the beauty of God because He loves us. We 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 do all this mm-hmm. back and forth stuff with Him, but His love is constant mm-hmm. for us. He is always there for us. That's one of the things that you know. I'm no Bible scholar, but I do hold dear to my heart some scripture 
And the one that has been keeping Mm -hmm. me, I promise you, is that he will never leave nor forsake you. So no matter what you Mm -hmm. do, up, down, I'm mad at you, Mm -hmm. I'm not talking to you, I'm going to do it this way. Mm -hmm. He's always there for you. Just like, Mm -hmm. okay, yep, when you ready to come back, I'm here. So we Mm got to find comfort. And it's so (laughs) bad. Yes. And it's so personal. Mm-hmm. It's so personal when he when he comes back. When he when he's like, I That's never what gets me. That's no, what gets me. When I get in when I get in my moments and I start, you know, just really reflecting, I'll be like, Oh Lord, thank you. You know, that you are not like I am to you. Right. Oh my yes. God. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I say it's so personal. It's like when you when you connect with God and you, you know, you're frustrated with him and you're like, oh man, I can't believe blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, for me personally, my, my ministry, my spirit is music. Mm-hmm. And so I will be in the car, minding my business, you know, mad or whatever. And he'll put a song on that he know gonna pull some tears. I'm like, for real yes. God, no. <laughs> he's like, you done? Yes. yes. He's he like, you will. done? Because I've, I've been here. I'm still here. I'm still keeping you. Guess what? <laughs> you know, it was, it, when you done your tantrum, remember you still got all this stuff that I'm still doing for you regardless because I love you. And I'm like, I'm sorry, Jesus. <laughs> well, this has been, this has been yeah, powerful. Yeah. This has been powerful. I, this I, has I, really just spoken to me on all different levels. Amen. You might be getting a new client because this one over here... Yes. <laughs> Amen. I got some work to Amen. do. I got some work to do. Amen. I told you, Maya was a life, like my whole life um, changed. Like you made, it, it was just so much different. And then, especially during quarantine, when you had the uh, virtual sleepover, <laughs> yeah, I, I always, always yes, I would always did. miss them. I, I think you even did a workshop. I got I'll say, I think yeah. Tanya is much yeah, more always, she's like, oh my God, I to the Facebook group. And, you know, <laughs> I, every time I go on there, you know, and I see Tanya, you know, responded to a message, I just kind of detach some, you know, Facebook sometimes is too much and you be in mm-hmm. so many groups. But then I'll be like, oh, you went to the sleepover? Why you didn't tell me? Because <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, that was, that's where... That's the thing, like social media is. is a lot because it's a lot for me. But I had to find groups that feel that um, mm-hmm. feed my Absolutely. soul. Absolutely. Let me put it that way. You find you a nice Facebook group that feeds your soul, then you can get out all those background noises that are distractions and they're the terror. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and that's that's how I was able to, you know, still, I'll see Maya because I get alert now when you're about to do oh, your yeah. Thursday um, <laughs> Yes, Facebook ma'am. Live. Yes, ma'am. I, and I agree with you. I'm not, it's so funny. I do this in, and I put myself out front facing and I'm not, I'm such an introvert. Like I'm not this social butterfly <laughs> person. <laughs> so I really have to like, oh. really have to psych myself up and be like, okay, here we go. Here we go. Even when I'm talking one-on-one um, and I'm comfortable now, like it took me a long time to even make a video. So I commend you guys for doing a podcast, putting yourselves out there, jumping out there because it's not easy to reach out into the world and, you know, not know what, what's going to come yeah. back, you know, and it's not easy to put yourself out there. So yeah. um, definitely 
congratulations on your podcast and everything that you're doing. And I best wishes to all of your endeavors. I will definitely promote your podcast, whatever you need me to do. Um, and you know, I'm here. I'm here. I love you guys. Thank you. And thank you so much for Thank you. And I'm only looking forward to that. <laughs> yes, retreat. ma'am. Yes, ma'am. I, um, <laughs> I'm building the website for it. That's why I was so excited. I probably shouldn't have like let the cat out of the bag before the website was done. But you'll definitely have the information, hopefully um, by tomorrow or Tuesday. Because um, I just got to, you know, because I do everything on my back end. I'm, you know, I'm cybersecurity. So I'm also techie. Oh, so I do all of my I'm stuff so on the back end. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be... Uh, so if I get, ever yeah. get stuck, I'm going to be like, Maya, um, this might not be. Yes, the, uh, yes. How do I? Yes. In another life, I was the <laughs> IT guy and I also built websites and sold them oh, a, a million yeah. years ago. So it was like, so yeah. perfect for you. I, um, And you know, you would think that I would that I had known that you know as I as my life started coming together, but apparently only God knew, and He didn't let me know until the very last minute (laughs) what I was supposed to be. So (laughs) just on to right on time, though, right on time. So yes, I appreciate you. Thank you, um, Maya, for joining us and sharing all these nuggets, and definitely hope that our listeners are are blessed by what you had to share and that they will take advantage of what you have to offer. Check your website yeah. out, thebouncebackproject.com. I checked it out, love the site. Yeah. And I'm even more impressed that you did it yourself. So you go, girl. <laughs> you know, so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Look at our, our queen over <laughs> Thank here, queening. You. Thank you. Uh, and so the cyber world here. Thank you. Tanya, you and I with another conversation. So till next time. Yes. Bye.